On this episode of Resi Week, Reboot has a new Wi-Fi 6 network platform and Dante in residential. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week episode 220, Technically Calmed. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation, and by Access Networks. Hey, welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv, and this week I'm pleased to be joined by three uh, really good close friends of mine. First, we have Jimmy Paskey. He is uh, in charge of residential sales for Surgex. How are you, sir? Fantastic, man. Thanks for having me back here. Thank you so much for being here. Then we have the one and only Uncle Richie, Mr. Richard Fergosa. He's the principal at Fergosa Design. How are you, sir? Good. Mellow West Coast sheltered in place greetings so from, my, from my embedded location. Aren't you happy that you just have to... to it's fantastic, man. All guy, exactly. I, I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> The uh, uh, next we have David Pedigo. He is the director of residential technology at Auroralex. How are you, sir? I'm at Auroralex, and I Auralex. am. We just went through this. <laughs> I am super. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, gentlemen. Uh, Dave, thanks for for coming back. It's been a while since you've been on, and I'm looking forward to talking over you as much as possible. Oh, oh, please do. I, you know, it's funny. I feel like I'm finally leaving my quarantine, but my quarantine has been like two years. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back. Yes. If you, if you haven't followed, Dave's been out of the biz for a little bit, but now he's back. So we're going to lean on him a little bit this morning. Gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from uh, Residential Systems. Why Reboot launches a Wi-Fi 6 certified report remotely deployed networks. That is a mouthful. Notwithstanding, uh, what Wireboot is doing is they're launching uh, their Ruckus Wi-Fi 6 certified access points uh, with the latest uh, models that Ruckus has on the market and also launching a uh, Cumulus 6 wireless program. And, and what that is, is it's a uh, essentially a remote maintenance platform uh, for the network system. But what's so cool about this this entire launch that uh, Bjorn is talking about here is he's recognizing that uh, a lot of integrators can't do a lot. They're not able to work, get out and get into most clients' homes. But with the huge, uh, massive influx of work from home and learn from home going on uh, the last month or so, clients all over the world are discovering that their networks kind of suck. So this is fantastic. Uh, Jimmy, I want to start with you on this one. Networking has, has always been, you know, that thing that we in the, the channel have talked about as, as the foundational brick uh, followed up closely or, or, or followed after power, depending on who you talk to, uh, which is why I'm asking you that question. But uh, as one of those, you know, core principle things, this is something that uh, a a lot of integrators will kind of start with, but they don't necessarily push real hard if a client pushes back on, on network and, and you know, some of the foundational stuff like that. What we're seeing right now is, is 
every client, whether it's a residential, commercial, what have you, every client is realizing that their network is the most important thing. Obviously, what, what Bjorn and Y Reboot is doing is fantastic. We are expecting to see more of this. How do dealers capitalize on this kind of thing going forward? Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be as challenging as we might think. And I think that's because network is so tangible. It's, it's in your face. Like you just had a latency issue. And I don't know if it's me or you, but, you know, a couple words kind of came in and out. I've been on plenty of these things, Zoom meetings, what, what have you, for the last month, and 20, 30 people will be up on a screen, and, you know, somebody will have a, a hard time, you know, getting through. Every other word's coming in, out, what did you say? And if you're a business person and you're used to a robust network, because maybe you're a corporation, you know, spared no expense, I knew that that network was such an important part of the infrastructure. Then you go to your house, and you're using your ISP trying to do the same thing and realizing it's nowhere near, you know, that kind of uh, capacity. I think network is already shown to be uber important for that work from home, learn from home uh, stratus that's, that's new to us, but it is so tangible. And if it's not working, the customer knows right away. And that's the challenge as it relates to power. And yes, Matt, power is important, but I would say that network has at least 12 years on us, us power people, because, you know, network is right there. If it's not working, hey, this thing's not working. Come out and fix it. Well, it's your network connection. If I said it's your power, you'd look up in the ceiling, see the lights around and say, you're crazy, man. I've got power, right? <laughs> so I, I don't think it's as hard as, you know, some might think it's going to be or it has been. Certainly, I feel like network is, dealers have been focused on it for years now. Yeah. Well, well, dealers have been focused on it for years, but it was a, uh, for a while, it was certainly kind of trying to draw uh, the dealers to it. It was painful for years and years. I mean, uh, you go back to the Cedia days, starting in 2005, 2006, and trying to convince people that the number one skill or asset that they have in the company is network and IP capabilities. Um, and I think we were there now for sure. And um, so now we're, we're kind of at a point where uh, the network and connectivity is a, it's almost a utility at this point. So you were talking about uh, power, you know, it's funny because in the US, Matt, for our, our, our friends up north, uh, you know, a while back, Congress had talked about making um, uh, the internet a utility and people were freaking out. Well, I think people are going to start to really see that that uh, power, water, shelter, and internet are the main things that you need. And so uh, Bjorn's a really bright guy. He's on to something. And, and I agree that this is not a hard sell whatsoever because even though it's not as easy as seeing as a light on or off, it's it's pretty easy to see when uh, you're getting buffering or you're getting interruptions. So uh, I think Bjorn's onto something. And I, I liked in the article, the other thing was the fact that um, uh, basically that if you, you wind up canceling the service or whatever, you still get access. It, it's not gonna shut everything off. Yeah. So. yeah, that license continues. I saw that, that was good. Yeah. yeah. Dave, have you, I'm trying to think who who was pushing it through, but uh, probably a year ago, 
somebody in Congress was trying to push through that um, internet access was was uh, essentially a right. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was, uh, it was definitely someone on the Democratic side. Uh, I believe it actually might've been Bernie Sanders. Um, uh, so I, I think that it might've been him, but, but it hasn't gotten anywhere, but no. I think you're gonna see some movement uh, moving forward as uh, connectivity is a universal right. So I know like there's a lot of talk about universal basic income and stuff like that. Well, before we can get to UBI for universal basic income, if we can just get to universal basic internet, I think we'll be good. Uncle Richie, the, the one thing in here that, that I got really excited about is, you know, Wi-Fi 6 is exciting. Uh, it, it's going to do a lot. It's going to be very effective for a lot of people. But in this, the, the thing that speaks to us as integrators is the, the remote connectivity and the, the, the monitoring and, and all of that. <clears throat> We've gone down this path, you know, for a couple of years. You and I have talked about this for years, about how remote access is, is crucial in days like today and going forward. Is this something that most integrators should start to reshape their business around? Well, I think that for most integrators that, I mean, if, if you're late to the game, the good news is that there is a situation that now makes you offering this service or you at least pointing out this service um, as, as something viable, as, as, as a value add to a system. Um, what we're going to see over the next year, and, it, and it's happening quickly uh, right now. I mean, I, obviously my wife was on the, I was on the show from the LFH uh, Two weeks ago, a week ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Uh, and, like a year ago. Feels like a year. Uh, but she's working very closely with school districts. That's you know one of one of her uh, one of the businesses, the consultant that she does. And what we're seeing right now is you're going to be seeing kind of that first layer of connectivity, which is the subsidized connectivity, right? Google, all of the large companies are just pumping out hotspots right now underserved areas, uh, basically fleshing out the network five years ahead of schedule. I mean, it was, it was going to be a process to begin with. It's just an accelerated process. And when you reach that first layer of basic access, you know, a municipal access, for lack of a better term, uh, that's going to be great where you at least have some form of connectivity. However, work from home is gonna change that a lot. And, and we're not gonna see a retraction in work from home. We're gonna see an increase in work from home. So that's gonna to lead to one of two things. That's going to lead to um, individuals, professionals who work from home, who decide that they're gonna invest in their bandwidth and their infrastructure to be able to increase the quality of their workflow. That's gonna be one route. And people who have the means are gonna say, oh, absolutely, in my house, I want to be able to, if I'm in the upstairs in the bedroom and I'm in a conference call, I want to be able to go downstairs to my office and not have a drop. Now, from a municipal system, that's not going to work. You're going to have issues. But they're going to make that determination that this is a way for me as a professional and working from home to create the optimal office environment and working environment for me. The second subset that we're going to see that's just starting to be talked about right now is you're going to see that companies much like with a cell, you know, when you first had cell phones, your company never paid partial of your bill. Yeah. It's not uncommon now for companies to subsidize um, a, a mobile phone bill. 
right? Because they are using that for company services. What we will probably see, at least what I think we're gonna see with some of these companies is that they're gonna wind up getting um, some form of benefit added to increase their services, to increase the reliability of their services. Because again, think about it this way. If you've got you know, a product manager or you've got a middle management group and they've gotta be part of a meeting and they are in a work from home situation, well, the company can't enforce the performance metrics on that employee if the employee is providing their own network and if the employee is providing their own connectivity. How do you dock somebody for missing a meeting because the company didn't necessarily provide it? You, I mean, there, there's going to be some very tricky um, employment questions that are going to come up. Um, and, and so what I'm saying, what I think will happen at that point is integrators are going to be able to say, hey, look, this is something that in order to benefit your work and everything else, you also start looking at your, your employer with this. Um, it, it changes the conversation. Also for integrators going out to employers and saying, hey, your workforce is important to you. This is changing. There are ways to provide benefit to your employees who you want to retain and you want to make them uh, as efficient as possible. Uh, to do it. I mean, again, if I was an integrator, if I was selling gear, that'd be the first thing I'd be looking at. I would be looking at small businesses and saying, how can you assist? Because as an employer, again, you're extending that IT structure uh, and working through with them. Let me, let me pull that thread for a minute, because this is something that came up on AV and the AM, as well as a couple other things, as you know, obviously as this work from home situation keeps growing. I've heard a couple people say that the the residential the ci the the cedia channel is is the only one poised for this to be able to deal with this i've heard a couple people say now this is this is going to be the domain of the avixa crowd then when i talk to a client of mine who uh let's just say he works for a major manufacturer that plays really heavy in the it space and he works on the var side the value-added reseller side he said that they those VARs are going to decimate everybody else in this because they've already got their foot in the door. I see Dave shaking his head. My question is, on the small business side, not a problem. Anybody can technically service them. But what happens when you're dealing with that, that mid-corporate size where you've got a bunch of people that want to work from home, but they have strict network guidelines and, and certifications and, and set you know, a, a set scope that anyone remote has to follow to be able to work remotely. Where is uh, that? Where, who's going to, who's going to benefit from that? I'll, I'll jump in if that's okay. Only cause I've, I've uh, been waiting to speak for two years. So I'm like, oh, pick me, pick me. <laughs> uh, um, uh, here's a couple things. <laughs> uh, here's a couple things. One of them is that um, every single so whether it's the CDA crowd, the Evixa crowd, the VAR side of things, everyone has the opportunity to make a ton of money, a ton of money. And you know who's going who's gonna to actually save the most money is the employers. If we look at the two-year, five-year, 10-year out, you look at the employers, a cost to help upgrade a, um, a home office for an employee is significantly, significantly cheaper than the overhead of renting office space for, for that person. So, um, uh, so a couple of things. One of them is, is that 
do I think that the Cedia channel has a little bit of a leg up to the um, Avixa channel a little bit, like tiny bit, and that is because um, they're already in the home. However, uh, if you look at who a lot of their clients are, they're CEOs, they're wealthy people, they have businesses. Um, so people will be like, oh, well, um, uh, you, you've done my conference room, can you come to my house? And it's gonna probably be a little bit of the same thing, which is that you've done my house, can you do my conference room? I think that this may, may change the culture a little bit in North America to be more like Europe, which is that I'm not a commercial dealer or a residential dealer. I do both. Um, and, and that is still some of the case, you know, at least last time as it CD, it was about uh, three quarters of the revenue came from the commercial side. Um, but so, yes, I think that, that there is opportunities for both sides, a lot of money to be made in what I would consider to be the high performance home office. Um, so I, do, I, don't, uh, I don't see one side capitalizing more than others. I just don't think the VARs are gonna be the ones who take this, this channel by storm. I'm gonna jump in on this too, um, yeah. real quick. I, and, and cause Dave just absolutely zoned in on a phrase that it, I'm jumping on. The high this one? This one? home office for resi integrators jump all over it. If nothing else, the act of putting up a custom green screen in a home office environment, if nothing else, setting up high performance cameras and a microphone and maybe even a small mixer to configure and create the optimal work from home environment. Larger commercial companies might not touch it. Why? Because it's yeah. too right? Yeah. They're not going to do a truck roll. An integrator in that instance is absolutely tailor-made for that. That is something that they could do four or five truck rolls, get a package together. And again, you know, XYZ camera, XYZ microphone, mic stand, green screen situation, and then a good, better, best scenario in terms of the networking, right? Yeah. Again, we, we've got to consider you know, what, what, what Bjorn and what Hagai are doing over at Access. I mean, they're, they're East Coast and West Coast counterparts, right? And, and I was fortunate that I dealt with Ruckus. I actually sat down with the guys when Ruckus wasn't Ruckus. And, and I told the story many times. I, uh, you know, I knew the guys when they pivoted away from what they started the company with to become <laughs> a networking company. Uh, but, but one of the things to consider with, with it is that that is always going to be, you know, that a bespoke network is a bespoke network. You know, there's going to be a budget for it, and you're absolutely going to be creating the optimal high performance environment. So, creators, it's always about that good, better, best scenario and where the compromises are. You know, there are going to be people who are going to have the Eero solution, there are going to be people who have the uh, Amplify solution from Ubiquity, right? Kind of a, a you know, a do it yourself version that somebody can work with, you know, and, and uh, Mitch Klein always talked about the, the do it with me crap, right? Then you've got the next step up with the do it with me crap, right? And you may move into that next tier of a somewhat managed remote solution that a technically competent integrator 
can manage, you know, and, and basically not screw things up too much. And then you move into that next tier, which is, you know, you're basically an extension of a corporate IT department and you've got very specific rules. You know, you're talking about HIPAA, you're talking about disclosure, you're talking about um, FTC requirements. I mean, you're talking about all of these things that from a work from home environment, that once you start talking about financial, Backing, banking, personal information. You have a whole new subset. And you know, the, the new one that I keep hearing from everybody these days is that, you know, there, there's riches and niches. You know, there's riches and <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's a great saying. Uh, the reason why I came up with high performance home office, and I was talking about it to Joe Whitaker last week and on his uh, live stream and stuff, uh, is uh, it came from the CDA classes, uh, developing a high-performance home theater. And so you think of, uh, from a home office, it's a microcosm of almost everything else. I will throw acoustics in there. I think that matters uh, as well. But it's all of these things. So you think of a home theater as an example. Lighting matters. The video matters. The audio matters. Mm -hmm. The sound isolation. I think the, another thing to think of for the dealers, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, hopefully allergies, not uh, the other stuff, um, is that um, sound isolation as well. Exactly. So, <laughs> so uh, quiet rooms. I definitely think people are going to uh, to learn um, uh, the 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 benefits of, uh, of 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 quiet. And so I think, like I, I've talked to my wife and well, pretty much anyone who will listen about how. My my sister-in-law has had a 102 degree fever for 19 straight days. Like it's horrible. All of this is horrible. But if you take a second, you take a step back and you look at, there are a lot of positive things that are going to come out of this as well. And work-life balance is going to increase. We have these opportunities that are coming our way for our channel alone. I think it, this is a potential potential gold mine. And no, this doesn't mean that you're ripping off your clients or whatever. You can improve their quality of life. And uh, so I, I'm, I couldn't be any more optimistic than I am right now. All right. We're going to leave that one for a minute because I could probably go on that one for another 10, 20 minutes. And then Jimmy would still be in the corner, not saying anything. <laughs> so I'm just waiting. <laughs> it's hard to talk in over top of those two. They're, uh, they're never getting on the same show again. That's, that's what we <laughs> learned from this. All right, gentlemen, uh, let, let's go to our uh, next and what will now be our last story of the day, uh, which is my fault for asking a follow-up that, that sent, sent us down that rabbit trail. Uh, residential tech today, what Dante means for home audio from our good friend, Jeremy Glowacki. If you've been living under a rug and only doing residential, you may not have heard the term Dante. Dante is uh, an AV over IP solution that literally dominates Jeremy said it, but he's not wrong. It dominates the pro AV and uh, especially the live AV uh, world as far as networked audio. What's happening is we're seeing some uh, new products from JBL Synthesis, Elon, PowerSoft, uh, just to name a few that are in, uh, including Dante into their systems as a way to move audio around, uh, obviously not only the house, but the theater, uh, but a property and get some fantastic capabilities with this. Jimmy, I'm going to start with you because they've talked so much and it seems only fair. When you see this, you 
you with Surgic, obviously you're, you're playing in both worlds. You're in the, in the resi side, but Surgic also has a huge uh, foot in the, the commercial side. And Dante's been so strong in commercial for honestly the last five to 10 years. What is it going to take for a, a, a solution like Dante that, that is just getting its foot in the door? in residential. It, it has been here for a couple of years, but it's just very slowly moving in. What's it going to take for your average, you know, CDA channel residential integrator to understand Dante, to, to jump on board with it and, and learn to take advantage of it and reshape, not, not reshape their business, but kind of change some business practices to utilize this? Well, first I'll say when I read the article, I thought Dante was a simplistic thing. And then when we started talking pre-show, <laughs> I heard it was complex. I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be easier for our channel. And if it were going to be easier, then I'd say adaptation would be smoother and quicker. But if it's not easy, then I will say if they're trying to get their foot in the door, I mean, similarly, Surgex wasn't in Resi. They kind of were and then weren't and we're back since 2014. We're a black box. And we just simply plug in and then we provide power to other things. And that's been painstaking, uh, lots of energy dedicated through uh, 15 different rep territories and 70 feet on the street. And, you know, five years, six years in now, I feel like we've made some really good progress. And here's a thing that's been out, you said, 10 years and in the resi space for a few of those, it sounds like, that Dave and, and uh, Richard said that weren't that easy. It's not that easy. Um, I'm afraid it's going to be an uphill battle, quite frankly. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Rich, I, I'm going to come to you and then we'll, we'll get to Dave if he doesn't jump in. Um, you're just getting teased because you just came back, dude. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing but love for you. Richie, you and I were talking pre-show. Um, I've used, I, I, I will be perfectly honest. I've never used uh, Dante in a residential environment. We've used it in commercial, as I said, for years and uh, in the live space a lot. To Jimmy's point, when you look at it on the surface, yeah, it's cool. We're sending audio over IP. Cool. No problem. When you actually dig into Dante, and if you make your way through those certification levels, no less, it can be a lot. What's the learning curve actually going to be for most residential in integrators? We had the same thing with video over IP. So is it going to be, is Dante a plug and play solution for residential? Right now, no. Will there be a point once manufacturers see that this is a direction that we're moving in, they will then put together tools that will flatten that learning curve. Um, you know, again, early on in video over IP, yeah dedicated switches, you know, and, and it was a pre-configured switch. You know, what would happen? Yeah. The company, and they said, we do video over IP. How do you do that? You tell us how many Gazintas, how many Gazautas. We figure if you've got 10, 16, or 24 of them. You got 24 of them, we ship you this box. What I do with the box? Don't worry about it. We took care of it for you. Okay, well, what about the rest of my, the rest of my network? It, we don't care. It's done this is it it's a point-to-point -point closed loop that's how we started with with you know it was the v over ip we weren't even at the av over ip yeah. 
right? Uh, Dante, because again, a 4,000 square foot house is not a 40,000 seat arena. You have completely different mechanics to work with. And so Dante made everybody's life easier from a commercial. You know, again, why was it used? Concerts. <laughs> Concerts. That's how it started. Then they went, holy cow, we can do our stadium this way. We can do our sports arena this way. We can now do our 10,000 seat corporate event here. And it grew, oh, our amusement park? Wait a minute, we can do that? And it grew from there because it became more convenient to deal with a digital signal transmitted this way as opposed to an electrical signal. You don't have necessarily those constraints in a residential environment. So, um, you know, residential manufacturers aren't gonna jump on it to begin with. However, <laughs> as things are changing, what is happening with these manufacturers? There are several manufacturers who didn't want to adopt Dante because the role has always been, why join somebody else's protocol when we can make our own? There's a couple of manufacturers who shall not be named that when we can't make our own, it's not gonna happen and they begrudgingly adopted it. As such, everybody else, you, you needed one. Once that first one that kind of came on, the others are going, we better do this too. And so from a residential standpoint, what's gonna happen is, and, and I think Jimmy was absolutely right, is, is it gonna be difficult for integrators? Yeah, if you're going to be an early adopter, right? You need to have some DSP chops. You need to know what you're looking at. In the interim though, Manufacturers, as they adopt this, are going to put tools together to make it easier. Um, you know, again, Sergey's kind of came in with, you know, I, I've, seen their, I've seen their presentation at a resi show and a commercial show. There's a different tone. There's a whole different process to it. Both aren't applicable. And what we will see is manufacturers as they start to adopt. I've used Dante in a residential application. It was tough the first time around. Uh, it, it, the reason being is that all of a sudden we had all kinds of networking conditions that we had to deal with because you do have things that are chatty <laughs> if you're not careful. And, uh, you know, it, it does require a, a skill set which dovetails back into get your networking down. You know, you, you're going to buy canned solutions, which are, this is it. This is your Dante switch. These are your Dante speakers and never the twain shall meet with the other stuff. And as time passes, integrators will get more comfortable and they have more options available to them. They will be able to create mixed environments, but it's not gonna happen until that first layer. I'm excited about it because I think that it does provide a lot of real world fixes to bad room problems. Dave, I teed it up, man. I <laughs> well, um, you well, did tee it up. No, I, I am, I'm asking you an actual question before you find a rabbit trail. Okay. As the only one of us sitting in the little performance audio space with the sub and the speaker and the treatments and everything else, is the number one or maybe the number two pushback, if the, the number one pushback is, say, complexity, is the number two pushback going to be that this digital audio sent over a network is never going to sound as good as the traditional way we've always done it? Is, is uh, that going to be the pushback? Uh, I don't think that that will be the pushback. You will get audio files. Uh, I mean, you've got guys who are willing to pay 7,500.
extra dollars for one meter of RCA cables. So uh, sure, uh, you do a blind study with them, they won't be able to tell the difference, so I guarantee you. Um, I don't think that that's the reason why. I, uh, I don't think, I, I think it's iffy if Dante makes it into the residential market because it has to be mainstream adoption and it has to be an elegant solution for the customer. Ultimately, is Dante uh, a, an elegant solution for the end user? And if it is, then great. If people are going to buy it, you have to have it in scale. You got to be able to get clients to use it. I, we know that Dante is re reliable. Uh, the reliability of it works great. And that's that's one of the most important things. But I, I, I don't think it's, it's because of the quality of the audio. Uh, mainly when we are distributing audio through the house anyways, we're doing it, it's not for critical listening. If you've got a critical listening environment, you're running your music differently anyways. So I think it's more about market conditions. The best way to look at it is K and X. You know, K and X, uh, uh, Rust Sound and other companies uh, were looking to bring K and X into the U.S. market. K and X is great, just not really making any penetration here in the U.S. market. Uh, I... I'd love to see Dante make it, but just because a couple of manufacturers are trying it does not mean that it's going to receive mainstream adoption. I also thought, sorry, that um, uh, AVB, audio video bridging, was going to be the solution because Cisco has talked about for years that they're going to put the AVB chips natively into their uh, routers and switches, and so you wouldn't need Dante. It would be significantly easier and that was supposed to start happening this year. So, so we'll see. Um, so I'm excited about it to a certain extent, but I'm not sure if it's going to actually make it as a true market player. I'm kind of glad you brought up AVB because again, in the commercial space, walking around Infocom four, five, six years ago, AVB was all the buzz. Yeah. AVB was what was going to happen. And then it just, it didn't. <laughs> Well, they changed the name. It was at, 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 um, uh, Avenue and stuff. Uh, and so, but uh, the numbers I'd been told was that the chipsets, they really weren't going to start shipping until 2020. So I haven't been in touch with my Intel contact in a couple of years, but I'd be curious to see if we're starting to see ABB put into uh, consumer grade uh, routers and switches. And if that's the case, we might see something coming down the road that competes primarily with uh, the interfaces that you get from like Sonos as an example. Yeah, very good. All right, gentlemen, we are going to leave it there. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, Jimmy, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Surgex, where can they do that? Just head over to ESPsurgex.com. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Mr. Fergosa, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Fergosa Design, where can they do that? Uh, you can find us on the website, fergosadesign.com. Uh, probably the best place is on the interwebs, uh, Twitter, at our Fergosa. Um, but if uh, I had my choice, it would be definitely here. Uh, find me on avianation.tv, obviously here on Resi Week, but also on uh, a show with my good friend Steve Greenblatt, The State of Control. Um, and supporting the vendors. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing is that um, the LFH Summit was a huge volunteer effort and it was done specifically for the for the viewers 
Um, obviously, it was, you know, nobody was, was you know, charging admission or anything like that. I mean, this is, this is absolutely a monumental effort made by all of the people running the shows. And so the biggest thing that you can do is, is support the shows. That's, that's what we think yeah i appreciate that mr pedigo if people want to connect with you learn more all learn all about sound sound management sound control and all the new stuff at your new gigs where can they find that uh two easy places one is uh dave pedigo just uh, on twitter i'm at dave pedigo and then uh just go to oralx.com a-u-r-a-l-e-x uh we've got a whole bunch of information and we're putting out new articles every week on um, how to improve uh, 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 audio, whether it's podcasts, home theaters, et cetera, trying to, to have a new go-to market strategy for content. Beautiful. And I'll just say yeah. one more thing, which is the reason why they brought me on is just to, to help dealers. You know, so if, if people are interested in being a dealer, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. Sorry for the shameless plug. No, shameless plugs are good. That's what I pay Richie for. Thank you again uh, for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of all the other shows in all the other verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. When you're on the site as, again, uh, you can also check out all the recorded sessions from the Learn From Home Summit for both the residential and the commercial site. Uh, any of the presenters that have given us permission to, to post that, you'll find it there. You can find a, gosh, something like 70 or 100 hours somewhere in there of, of recorded content. There's a ton. So definitely check that out. Uh, thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. You two are never allowed to be on the same show again. Uh, you know, it's funny because, uh, uh, you know, usually when I was on it, it was you and I, Richard. We were always on it. You together, were always on so. together. And now so. we know why we didn't do that anymore. <laughs>